0: All right. Well, hey, good morning. Uh, my name is Fritz Bilo. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad all of you are here today helping us launch our new series. And Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, welcome to Bluffton Community, Fostoria, our online campus. And uh, yeah, we just uh, look forward one day uh, meeting uh, those of you who may be joining us online. Come and join us in the house. I do want to expend, uh, extend a special thank you to Luis and David for coming this morning. Uh, we love you guys, and we are with you uh, in this whole thing. So Jeff, thanks for making that connect. What, uh, 20, 15 years ago? Something like that? Yeah, we bless the Lord for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, Well, hey, we're kicking off this brand new series called Unspeakable Joy this morning. And what we're doing through the whole month of December is we're going to be journeying through uh, Luke chapters 1 and 2, discovering uh, truth about who God is, uh, truth about ourselves, and why that always leads to joy in our lives. And so when you think about this whole idea of God entering into our world, right? Like wrapped in swaddling cloths, wrapped in flesh, it seems almost too fantastic, right? It's, it's too big of a story. It's too wild, and it's difficult to wrap our minds around it, but it's true. Just because it's fantastic doesn't mean it's not true. And so this idea of the coming of Jesus, Jesus, in the flesh, really is one of the most joyous occasions in history. And so it's no wonder why the whole world takes time to pause during this time of year to celebrate his arrival. Now, here's, here's my hope in this series as we're going through unspeakable joy. Uh, it's my hope that everybody would discover the joy of knowing Jesus, right? And so for some of us, what that's going to look like is actually learning how to hear his voice, right? Learning how to hear his voice through the scriptures and through prayer, through other growing disciples, and then trusting him in that. For others, it may mean that we are now going to begin sharing that joy of Jesus with other people. And then there's still some who for you, my hope is this, is that you'll actually trust Jesus for the very first time in your life, and you'll be able to experience his joy firsthand instead of simply hearing stories about it from other people. And so all of that is wrapped up in our series, Unspeakable Joy. Now I want you to take a moment and just think, uh, what are some of the more joyful experiences that you can remember in your life? What are some of those moments that you would be able to look back on and identify saying, man, that was a real moment of joy in my life? For me, I think about uh, days like uh, the day that I married Christina. Uh, That was a joyful day. I think about uh, the birth of every single one of my kids. Those were uh, joyful days. I think about the day that my dad uh, came to faith and said yes to Jesus Christ in his life. And, And as I've thought about those moments over the last few weeks, one of the things that has really come out to me is that part of joy within those moments, was the surprise. Not, not that, like, I didn't know I was getting married, or, you know, I didn't know we were having kids, or something along those lines, but, but I think what it was, is I didn't, I knew those would be important moments, but I didn't realize how deeply meaningful they were actually going to be for me in my life. You know, I think about when Christina, and her dad, when they when they opened up the doors uh, to the to the sanctuary, and they began to walk down. Um, I'm not a very emotional person, but I saw her coming down the aisle, and I just burst into tears. Right um, at first, I thought something was wrong with me. Uh, <laughs> then I realized, oh, that's joy. <laughs> uh, welling up within me. Uh, I think about the birth of every single one of my kids, and just seeing them, and and being in in. Awe of what was happening right there, right? Joy uh, when my dad said yes to Jesus Christ um, in his life, my heart was overwhelmed with joy. Right? I just I wanted to tell everybody, and and I think for all of us, joy is a common experience that we all desire. Uh, and and the reason I say that is uh, there are actually scientists who are conducting studies to figure out how can we increase in joy and in happiness. And in the process, they've learned things like this. Uh, If you want to increase your happiness, you'll need at least six hours of socializing with other people in a day right? Uh, Some of you guys are going, oh, that sounds horrible. (laughs) Uh, Just telling you what the science says. Uh, They're also learning that those who have 10 or more friends experience more joy. Uh, If you are 33, 55, or you're in the 70s, in your 70s, they have identified these as the happiest ages, right? So you're the happiest people that are out there, right? Uh, real question, uh, all of our 44-year-olds, will you raise your hand if you're 44 in the house? Yeah, you're the grumpiest. That's why you're not raising your hand, right? <laughs> That's what science has shown. <laughs> you are in the grumpiest stage of life. Um, but right, uh, we, we want to experience joy. We're even like got people trying to figure out how to get more of it. And so I think the question behind that is, is where do we find joy? Like, where do we find real joy? And there's been so many who have gone and searched for it in different ways, right? I'm going to find joy without God. I'm going to find joy by just seeking nothing but what pleasures me. I'm going to find joy by in, uh, extending my power and my influence and my control. And everybody who has gone off, uh, gone off after those things, right? These massive names, people that would surprise you, have come to the end of it and said, it's not there. It's not in power, it's not in wealth, it's not in pleasure, it's right, it's it's left all those things are left wanting. The lasting joy doesn't exist there. And, and maybe for us we can identify areas in our own lives where we've gone seeking after joy, and either it came for a moment, but then it left as quickly as it came, or it never showed up. So where do we find joy? Where do we find real joy? Well, the answer is simple. And it's not going to surprise you or shock you. But real and lasting joy is found in Christ alone. That's where real joy is found. Actually, the Christian author S.D. Gordon said this about joy. He said, joy is distinctly a Christian word and a Christian thing. Joy has its springs deep down inside, and that spring never runs dry. No matter what happens, only Jesus gives that joy. He had joy singing its music within, even under the shadow of the cross. Real joy is found in Christ alone. And so as Amy had mentioned, if you'll open up to Luke chapter 1, that's where we're going to be starting, Uh, or you can click over there on your device. Um, Luke is the third book in the New Testament, uh, and we're going to dive in and discover why Christ alone is the source of joy. Now what I'm going to read for you is uh, a narrative um, out of Luke, and so what I want you to do is to not get dialed in on the particulars, per se, uh, of the story, but kind of the watch the thread and the movements of the story. So uh, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5, it says this, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he, must, and he will be filled by the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, Lord their God." I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Now I want to wrap up this story over at verse 57, and that says this. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came uh, to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no. He shall be called John. And they said to her, well, none of your relatives are called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God and fear came on all their neighbors and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying what then will this child be for the hand of the Lord was with him so you've got this wonderfully powerful story going on and I want to point out very briefly three truths from this passage and here's the first one it's this, is that there is joy in receiving God's promise. There's joy in receiving God's promise. And, and one of the things that makes this so powerful is that at, it had been about 400 years since God had spoken like this. Okay? Okay? Almost 400 years. Actually, uh, a guy by the name of Malachi, you might know him better as Malachi, uh, but he was the last prophet to speak to Israel, and since that time, there had been no major moves of God Like the Exodus, there'd been no major moves like the return of the exiles from Babylon. There had been no major moves of God speaking through the prophets like Malachi or others. God had been silent. And unexpectedly, God showed up. And God showed up in the life of a childless priest who was praying And burning incense in the temple when it was his turn. And this was God's message. You're going to have a son. Now, this is huge for Zechariah and Elizabeth because they have no kids. Uh, And they're too old to have kids, right? Zechariah is very kind. He's like, I'm old. My wife's advanced in years, uh, right? <laughs> but he's saying, this is, we're past the time, right? This can't happen anymore. It's physically impossible. Now, the inability to have children is, is a challenging thing, right? It's challenging today. And, and there's an added layer uh, that compounds in first century Israel, Because in the day of first century Israel, being childless actually brought shame on your family. And here's why. If, If you were unable to have children, what the community and the culture believed was that God was refusing to bless you. That you had done something sinful You had done something wrong, and that is why God is keeping you from having children. And so in a culture that was heavily based on honor, those who were unable to conceive were weighed down overwhelmingly with shame, being reminded every single day. One of the things I love about this couple is that even though they walked around with this shame, even though they did not get what they had wanted for so long, they'd never wavered in their commitment to God. They walked with him. They trusted him. They loved him no matter what. And so can you imagine the joy that Zechariah and Elizabeth had in receiving God's promise? God, literally, he's removing their shame. That's what Elizabeth says in verse 25. You're removing my repro- reproach among the people, and you're using us. You're using our lives for your glory because this is no ordinary boy right? This is no regular John because he's going to have like a mission like nobody else. Here's what's amazing, right? It had been almost 400 years since God last spoke through a prophet or some major move. Do you know what one of the last things God said through Malachi in chapter four verses five and six? Actually, let's do this. Let's read that passage out loud together with behold. Are you ready? Go. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Does that sound similar to what the angel was saying about what John would do? one of the last things that god says through malachi is one of the first things that god reaffirms to zechariah and elizabeth through gabriel right there's joy in receiving god's promise but there's also joy in the process right that's the second thing there's joy in the process right so this joy that zechariah and elizabeth were experiencing it changed the journey Because now Zachariah is mute. He can't say anything. And now Elizabeth is, is pregnant. And there's all kinds of things that come with that, right? I've watched my wife carry four kids to term. It's all been joyful. But, right, like I know there's challenges that are within that. But I imagine that Elizabeth praised God for the morning sickness, because it's something that she had wanted to experience her whole life. I imagine she praised God for the multiple frequent bathroom trips along. I imagine Zechariah hummed a tune silently in his head when he did late night runs to McDonald's for the cheeseburger cravings, right? Like that was all happening, that even though there were new challenges, there were things that were happening, there's joy in the process because God was doing the impossible. Joy will do that, by the way. Joy will change. It will take a challenging situation and turn it into a season of gratefulness. Because joy is not based on situations. Joy is actually a state of being. Joy is born out of what God is doing. Here's the real essence of joy and the core of it. Joy comes from being included in God's plan. Joy comes from being included and invited into Christ's story. That's that's the launching place of joy and that's what happened to Zachariah and Elizabeth because there's joy in the process. But here's the last truth, there's joy in the fulfillment. Because God did exactly what he said he was gonna do. They had a son and everyone was excited and God turned sorrow into joy right? Check this out. you You have to notice this. Now that they had a son, now that they had one of the things they had always wanted, I want you to notice that Zachariah and Elizabeth's commitment to God never changed. Even after they got, one of the things that they'd always wanted, their commitment to God never changed one bit because it would have been really easy to let the pressure of everybody else Right, going, oh, well, you just name him Zechariah. Nobody, John, nobody knew the name of John in your family is Zechariah. They go, well, yeah, I guess you're right. It's not a big deal. He's here now. I mean, what's God's gonna do? Take him away? No, he wouldn't do that. So we'll name him whatever we want. We'll do whatever we want. We'll focus in on this gift, right, instead of him. But no, they stayed committed to what God asked them to do, right, and they named him John. By the way, do you know what the name John means? Any Johns in here? You might know what your name is. It means God has been gracious, or God gives grace. Isn't that the story? Isn't that this story right here? By grace, God spoke to Zechariah. By grace, God gave them a son. By grace, God included them in Christ's story. By grace, uh, John got to grow up and be the announcer of Christ's arrival. By grace, John baptized Jesus. I want you to think about that. Why grace? Because God chose. And so there's joy in receiving God's promise. There's joy in the process. And there's joy in the fulfillment of God's promise as well. And so right, Zachariah and Elizabeth, John, they all discovered this joy from being included in Christ's story. Did you know that the same is true for you and me? you got to catch this part, right? What I'm about to say, don't miss this. Like, check back in, and then you can check back out. But here's what you've got to catch, this. Real joy only comes in Christ, and that will change your life, right? Like, you will only find joy in Christ, and that will change your life. And, and so, right, it begs the question, well, well how, do I, how do I find that joy? How do I get that joy? Well, it's, it's being included into Christ's story, right? It begins with who Jesus is, recognizing that he's the Son of God, that he's, he's the ultimate purpose of my life. And, and the only way to be included into a story is when you put your faith in him, right? It's in to invite him to be your ultimate sense source of joy, it's recognizing what the apostle Paul recognized in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. He said this, "Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord." Everything. Everything compared to Christ, it looks like garbage. That's how awesome it is to know Jesus. And my question for, for some of you here this morning, for some of you joining us online, is this, what's, what's keeping you from putting your faith in Christ? What's the barrier to you from saying yes to Jesus? I wonder if you identify with Zachariah and Elizabeth. I wonder if there's like this shame that weighs about you, and that's, you know, your past is actually one of the things that gets in the way of your future with Christ. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know the things I've thought. God could never forgive me. Can I tell you something? That's not true. It's not true. God can forgive you. God will forgive Forgive you if you ask him. God is the only one who can turn mourning into dancing. He's the only one who can turn sorrow into joy. He can take shame and turn that into honor. And when you say yes to Jesus Christ, that will change your life. It'll transform who you are overwhelmingly. So maybe there's a barrier. Maybe for you it's like, well, there's actually something, I'm waiting for something better to come along. You know, uh, once I make enough money, then I'll be joyful. When, when, I'm, when I'm in that relationship, if I can just have enough people notice me, then, then I'll know. I'll know I'll be joyful. But until you say yes to Jesus as your forgiver and leader, you're chasing smoke. Now, some of you have already put your faith in Jesus, but you're kind of going, uh, you're in this moment saying, man, I'm kind of struggling in the process right now. For me, following Jesus has become a chore. I'm like grinding it out. I'm just showing up to church because I know it's right. I'm trying to be better. I'm putting in the hard work and, and, and trying to be super, super disciplined. But you're talking about joy, and that does not characterize my life at all. I'm just, I'm just trying to make it, man. A uh, pastor by the name of Jim Johnston says this, that joy is one of the vital gauges on the dashboard of the Christian life. And when it dips, when you sense a, lo- when you sense a loss of joy in your life, you need to take notice immediately. And you should act. And do you know, do you know why a, f- a Jesus follower will lose joy in their life? It's typically because we've taken our focus off of Christ. Christ. Do you know that? That's actually why we tend to lose joy in our personal lives, is because we have taken the focus, our focus of our life, off of Christ. And so what's happened is, in the process, you make something else of greater importance. And, and possibly with good intentions, but your focus is on something else or on someone else. It could be a relationship. You could have your focus on the church. You could have your focus on, on your job or some dream that you have for the future or something along those lines. Maybe you've started valuing more what other people have to say about you than what Christ has already said about you. Right? It's, it could be literally anything, but you have to recognize that drawing your focus away from Christ is one of the ways that Satan will tempt you to try to pull you out of what God has for you. It's exactly what he did with Jesus when he was in the wilderness for 40 days, right? Satan tried to draw Jesus' focus away from God and on his own personal fulfillment. Hey, Jesus, I know you're hungry. Why don't you just make some bread? Hey, Jesus, why don't you show everybody who you are by jumping off the top of the temple, and that'll prove that you're God's son, because angels will catch you. Hey, Jesus, why don't you just worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. The whole time, he's inviting Jesus to take his focus off of God, and Jesus refused, right? Satan was inviting Jesus to make lesser things into ultimate things. Yeah. Augustine calls this disordered loves. He calls disordered loves, this is disordered loves, right? Taking good things work, relationships, children. Um, safety, all of those things, taking good things and placing ultimate value on them. Taking secondary, third, fourth things and making them first things. That's disordered loves. Putting lesser things in the place of God and disordered love will always steal your joy. Always. It's tempting to think that Zechariah and Elizabeth were joyful because they finally got a son. That would be a misstep in understanding what was happening in this account. They never took their focus off of God. Do you realize one of the first things Zachariah could say when he got the ability to speak again was essentially a worship song praising God, not even for his son but the fact that God was moving and God was speaking and God was acting, right? that's where his joy. You have to catch this. There is nothing else in this world that will bring you joy. There's nothing else that will bring you fulfillment like knowing Christ. Nothing. There's no job promotion. There's no new house. There's no new city. There's no new relationship. There's no new child, right? There's no boyfriend or girlfriend. There's no level of wealth. There's no level of security that is going to bring joy into your life the way that Christ will bring joy into your life life he is the only one who can do that and he's awesome now if you're here this morning and you go man fritz i think i identify with that i i would be one of those people that have lost my joy in following christ let me encourage you with this this is the way forward It doesn't come from getting up earlier and doing more things and working harder. You know what it comes from? Adjusting your focus. The pathway forward is to fix your eyes on Christ. And so I want to help you with just a very simple next step this morning on how you can recover some joy. There's actually this next steps on the back of your connection card. And it's this. I want to invite you to bring your focus back onto Christ By simply dialing into who you were without, or who you are without Christ, and who you are in Christ. And one of the best places to do that is in Ephesians chapters 1 through 3. And so what I want to invite you to do this week is to take the next step of reading and studying Ephesians chapters 1 through 3. And I would encourage you to take your time. I spent time this morning in Ephesians 1. I got all the way to verse 11 and I had to stop because I ran out of time and I had a page and a half entire of notes about who God is, who I am in Christ, who I am without Christ. So I wanna encourage you to take that next step, right? This is an amazing section of scripture that'll help you contrast that. So read it, meditate on it. I would encourage you, invite a friend to join you to talk about it, right? Later in the week or, or some other time, you guys can read it together and talk about it. But take that next step, let me know. I would love to pray with you and pray for you this week as you're journeying through that. So that's one, one step I would encourage you to take. But here's another step, especially if you're not a Jesus follower, Right? If you haven't said yes to Jesus, I want to invite you to do that right now. I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus as your forgiver and your leader right now. And here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to guilt you. I'm not going to compel you in any way. Jenny's not going to be up here playing 14 verses of just as I am until somebody comes forward. Right? Like None, none of that is going to happen. Um, I, here's what I want you to know that if you're ready to step into a life of purpose and meaning and joy, what you were created for, that is an option for you today. That's actually a really good option for you. If you sense God drawing you to himself, say yes to him. Listen, the greatest joy that I have ever experienced in my life has been Christ. It's him, hands down. And the joy he has given me over the last 24 years I, you, one would think that over time it would dissipate and it would become less and it would diminish, but it doesn't. It actually increases. It gets greater. It gets deeper. It actually becomes more overwhelming, right? He, he has filled me more with joy today than I can think in times in the past. And I wonder if you can imagine what your life would look like marked by God's joy like the joy of knowing that you're eternally forgiven, the joy of knowing you belong to Christ, the joy of knowing God's promises and relying on them through every situation that you'll face in your life, the joy of knowing God's abiding presence in you, experiencing joy even through some of the most difficult seasons of your life. Christ will do that. Knowing Christ will change your life. And you can say yes to him literally right now. And so I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. We ask this question every weekend. It's very simple, but I think it's profound. And the question is this, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now through this message? And I want to give you an opportunity to listen to him. Today is a, is a decision opportunity, right? Keep plodding along where you're at or to lean into Christ, no matter where you are, right? No matter where you are. You are made to rely on Christ. You were created to trust in him. My hope is the Holy Spirit will lead you to say yes today. Now, as Pastor Matt had mentioned earlier, we, we believe deeply in prayer here. And so we want to pray for you. So what we're going to do in just a moment is we're going to sing one more song. And during this last song, we're going to have prayer leaders in all four corners of the room. Okay? Every corner of the room, prayer leaders are going to start making their way now. Some are there right now. And you can step out of your seat during this last song, come and find them, and they're trained and ready to pray with you about any area of your life, literally any area at all. And so don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. And you don't have to be a member of Lighthouse Community to receive prayer. This might be your first day here. If you want to pray with people, we have people ready to pray with you today. And so I want to pray for you. And then I want to invite you to come forward and receive prayer as well. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.